Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish from maintenance to mission. My name is Dan O'Rourke, and I am in studio today with two really cool people. Uh, Rob McDowell from the Divine Renovation team. How are you doing, Rob? I'm doing well, Dan. It's good to see you today, buddy. Yes. And Stephanie Potter, you're making a, a repeat appearance as a, as a co-host here. I guess I did not screw it up last time. Thanks yep. for having me back. <laughs> the reviews were in and uh, you were five stars all the way through. Congratulations. Perfect. Thank you. And so Steph, just so for, for people who are joining us, uh, you are with CMDS, mm-hmm. which is the Christian Medical, Medical and Dental uh, Society of Canada. Canada, <laughs> Canada, yeah. Yeah, Canada. Uh, CMDS. Canada. I, I know you very well as CMDS. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the, you know, extrapolating the acronym is a little more complicated. That's right. Me. That's right. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, we're sitting at, our, at our, our, our beautiful new table, guys. Have you mm. heard about this table? We've got a beautiful new table. Uh, and on, on this beautiful new table, we actually have a few things. I just wanted to ever so briefly talk about, um, about them. And particularly this one, of course, Unlocking Your Parish, which is our, our newest uh, book by Ron Huntley and Father James Mallon. Uh, I know it's hard to get for most people. It seems to be sold out in most venues. The publisher's doing their best to get copies out to, so that uh, you're able to get a hold of one. But I was thinking this morning, Rob, because on our team, you've got a bit of a reputation. And uh, your reputation, the reputation that, that precedes you, is that you are one heck of a book lover. And, and so you, you've, got, uh, you're, you've got two offices, as best I can tell, that are actually just jammed to the rafters with books. Well, two that you've seen. I also have a home office. So, <laughs> so there's, there's, there's a few there as well, but uh, yeah. So you've got like a library of, 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 of awesome, and I, I do mean that. There's so many really great books that are, uh, that are there. There's also some that I look at and I go, oh, I'm surprised that's on a shelf. But, uh, but, for, but <laughs> for the most part, though, you've got so many different books. And I was thinking this morning, isn't it interesting that we as a ministry, we, keep, we continue to, to publish books. And so, so I'd love to just talk about what, what role books have in terms of helping us uh, sort of embrace mission, embrace leadership, and, and become better at the things that we do. Well, I think particularly nowadays, you know, where we're at, books are one of the ways, main ways that we grow and improve. You know, there's still a lot of wisdom to be gleaned. And particularly, you know, there's a lot of newer books, but also the classic books as well, you know, constantly going back, the, you mm-hmm. know, the majority of, the majority of, you know, the accumulated wisdom that we have beyond the technological age is always going to be found in a book, you know, from that standpoint. And so, carrying forward and in in some ways that kind of helps us kind of think through what's valuable because what what have we kept with us throughout the ages you know Mm -hmm. from that standpoint i mean you obviously think start with scripture but then you know a lot of the church fathers but then even you know a lot of people outside of faith traditions it's written it's been passed down throughout the generations i think it helps us to understand kind of in the perspective of how we grow and how we learn Mm -hmm. as people particularly as leaders within the context of the church it, what's interesting, Rob, is because we're, we're going to be inviting uh, Mike Tanner to join us in, in a handful of minutes. And Mike, of course, works communications here at Divine Renovation. He's <laughs> one of our newest team members. I'm not sure if he's the newest anymore, but uh, but he's one of the newest team members. And and, and so books fall into this interesting category of, of mm-hmm. communications. Mm-hmm. And Steph, you do, you work communications at CMDS. That's right. And so communications in uh, you know 2019 can mean lots of different things. So uh, for Mike and I, a lot of that involves social media. But uh, we're really intentional about still engaging in print media. And one of the things I love about what DR is doing with books is you're telling stories, you're putting out guideposts um, that that appeals to a different style of learning. Most of us cannot learn a whole model through tweets. 
um, unless you have tweet roll. Um, so this is a great way to collate the knowledge that we've acquired together in a way that's really shareable for all kinds of learners. And we learn, uh, there's lots of studies about this, we learn better from the written word than we do from a screen because of the way that our brains work. Uh, so I just, I love that because this is, this is literally telling the story of divine renovation that started well before Father James published his first book. It's interesting. I, I think with, um, with books in general, uh, so and I've always struggled, what kind of learner am I? And, and, and you know, mm-hmm. there's, I know there's different types of learners, you know, the auditory learners versus the, mm-hmm. the, the people who, who like to read versus those who like to do. Yeah. And, and I, I really did mm-hmm. my research before starting this conversation, I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so I've always I'm like, well, how do I learn? I'm like, well, you, I think like most of us, we learn through multiple means, but there's probably certain ways that, that we lean into. And I think, you know, as a ministry, we, we try and deliver our, our, our message through multiple means, mm-hmm. just like a parish. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're trying to deliver its message through multiple means. And so books, I think, pl- play a role inside of that. They're part of, of, of a robust picture for our ministry in terms mm-hmm. of how we try and communicate the, the ways that we want to, the ways that parish can be done, the ways that, uh, that we, we see fruit happening in parishes globally. And so it's, it's just interesting to see how it fits. It's one piece of the puzzle, isn't it? it it's interesting the weight that we still give to print media mm-hmm. uh, from that standpoint, yeah. because you know, obviously we're trying to pre- present some new ideas, um, you know, to churches and things like that. And we've, we've put it out there and, you know, we, you know, we'll speak live and we'll do podcasts and, you know, we've got videos and all kinds of stuff like that. But it's interesting how, when, what Ron wrote about Alpha, Ron Father James wrote about Alpha and put it in that context, how that almost empowered people to like, here it is, here's the manual, here's yeah. what we've heard yeah, and here's, right. you know, and then you can pass it to someone and it's like, oh, okay, that's why you said this. That's why, you know, and it's, it almost still mm-hmm. authenticates in people's minds a, a level, you know, what we're saying with a level of authority that sometimes when you say it just from a stage or it comes mm-hmm. through just a video or stuff like that. Um, that that weight doesn't isn't always necessarily always there. And I think there's some beauty to that because now let's say if you follow Father James and Ron on Twitter, the things that they say will resonate back to what you heard. So we're learning in layers, we're building up an understanding. Um, and and this book is incredibly practical, right? So I I think uh, yeah, it's just another way mm-hmm. that we're engaging people. What I loved was I was looking at some conversations Ron was having on Twitter with people who are giving some early reviews of the books. And there was one person who was highlighting every, I think she highlighted more than she didn't. Um, <laughs> and I love that because when I, when I had the chance to read it, I was the same way. I was like eating it up, figuring out how I can apply it to my situation, to the ministries I'm engaged in. Um, and then, you know, follow up with the tweets I read from Ron. I'm like, oh, wow, that really speaks to what I read in that chapter. What a good reminder of what I'm, re- what I'm learning. It, it, it reminds me of something we, so I can remember maybe it was, I can't remember if it was DR20, uh, DR2016, the big conference we mm. did here in Halifax where it was 2018. So forgive me. I'm, I'm not sure which, which conference it was at, but at the time I can remember Father James isn't here on, on set today, so I can tease him a little bit. Right guys. Yes. yes. Yeah, we're okay yeah. with that. Yeah. And uh, maybe he'll catch this later. Maybe he won't. We'll yeah. see how low we can fly I'll this. Do it one as a test room. to see if he actually listens to the <laughs> yeah, podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I can remember we were, I was talking to Father James about the conference, and I remember saying, "Look, you know, not everybody who's coming to the conference will have read your book." He's like, "Well, why would they show up if they haven't read the book?" Uh, and this was at the time I think we only had uh, the, the main Divine Renovation book from maintenance to mission um, to a mission on parish. And I can remember mm-hmm. saying, "Well, you know, not everybody's a reader. Honestly, not everybody's a reader." And he's. I don't know about that, uh, Dan. I'm not a. Anyways, I can remember at the conference meeting a guy, meeting a priest, mm-hmm. and uh, he got on a plane 
and flew from from somewhere in the United States uh, to come to the Divine Renovation Conference. He'd never read the Divine Renovation book. Wow. Uh, he, it was he was complete. All he, he'd heard Father James give a one hour talk once. And, uh, and so he showed up and uh, members of our team gave him a tour of, of our, our office and studio and, and, and the things that we had at the time. And so, you know, but here's a priest who, who literally flew from a whole other country to, to come and, and hear about divine renovation, but had never read the divine renovation book because he's not, a, he's not a reader. He's, that's not the way he learns. That's not the way he engages. And so first of all, it was a wonderful opportunity for me to remind Father James that not everybody's read a book, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's a, your, your book's a nice book and all, but not everybody's yeah. going to, that's not the, mm-hmm. the only way that people connect with that. Yeah. There's other ways that people connect. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same in a parish, right? Mm-hmm. There, you know, we, we do a lot of communication work. Mm-hmm. And I think, Rob, in front of you on our, on our nice table, uh, you've got a copy of the Benedictus. That's the... Yes. Uh, the magazine that uh, St. Benedict Parish releases monthly. And Mm -hmm. so, but not everybody reads the Benedictus. It's not that it's not worth doing. It's just one element of a a more comprehensive strategy. Well, and we also, we also do print, but we also do uh, an electronic version that gets emailed to people as well. Right. And it's interesting to track how many do the printed versions versus the, uh, how many open it electronically. Yeah. And some of us do both. Yes. Uh, Depending on where we are. Oh, I wanted to tell someone about an event or I wanted to show something to my boss. I'm scrolling through. I'll read this article. So I'll pull it up on my iPad. Or, you know, if I happen to have a copy with me, I'll hand it to them that way. So anything that we can do to expand our reach, I think is automatically a positive thing. Uh, I think we're probably going to talk about it a bit more in the second half, but over on that side is um, um, the place that I work for, the Christian Medical and Dental Society. We're really intentional about um, uh, print communication too. We do a quarterly magazine that goes out to members, um, and it's the same idea. It's about what is our message, how are we communicating it, and are we communicating to as many people as possible in as many ways as possible to guarantee a level of saturation for the message. I'm excited to bring Mike on in just a few minutes because mm-hmm. I know sometimes when 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 some of our listeners um, listen, uh, they, they think, oh well, you know, you guys are so rich in Canada. You've got glossy magazines and and <laughs> and and, and hard covered and soft covered books, and our church doesn't have any of those things. We could never. And it's like, well, don't, don't get lost in mm-hmm. uh, in in the. Uh, the presentation. It's That's about right. it's about the principles that underlie the presentation. That's and in right. fairness. I, I can't think of a single other parish in Canada that has a glossy magazine. St. Benedict Parish is, is best I can tell, and the only one I've ever encountered mm-hmm. that, that does that. And it's it's something it grew into. It's not the way the parish started yeah. it. Yep. It had a simple bulletin, just like most uh, Catholic right. churches have, and it had to grow. It grew over many many years into something mm-hmm. different. So don't lose. I, I would encourage if you're if you're listening, don't lose sight of the. The, the reality that, you know, this is actually transferable information. It's not about, you know, some rich Canadian parish. That's not, that's not the way it, it is. It's like yeah. your parish can grow into some of these, these approaches in terms of how it can improve its, its glossy factor. I like that. Yes. So uh, why don't we take a quick pause then? And uh, I'd, I'd love to get Mike on because Mike joined our team recently at Divine Renovation Ministry. Uh, he's also active in his, his own parish. Uh, and, uh, I, I think he, he knows a little bit about communications. He's, he's, he's pretty cool in that way. So we're going to be right back with Mike Tanner. And welcome back. And a special welcome to none other than our one of our newest team members, Mike Tanner. Mike, welcome to the podcast, bud. Thank you very much. It's, it's awesome really great to, to have here. you on. We get to hang out uh, every week, but yeah. uh, it's rare that we get to hang out on set and talk about the things we talk about. Offset, onset, right? 
Is that that did that flow well? That How am I doing well. on communicating, Mike? Uh, so I would I would maybe have you read some branding guidelines on some of the words you should use and shouldn't use. But uh, so far, so good. So we're, yeah. we're stumbling our way forward through yeah. it. Uh, so look, you know, it, it's great to have you on set. And part of the reason I think, Steph, uh, that you're here today mm-hmm. is you're also in communications. Mm-hmm. And one thing that every parish has to do is is communicate. So, Mike, what would be some of the, how, how should we best enter the conversation about communications and how we should understand it as as Catholics and on and parishes? I think understanding actually, first off, one of the things that I've typically encountered as I've tried to help out with my parish or with the the diocese in general um, is this idea that, well, we want to do like the things we've always done. So we want to do bulletins. We want to do all these things. And we sort of say, well, the the people aren't on Facebook. The people aren't on social media, et cetera. And the truth is we, we need to reach people wherever they are. And they are there. There are more people over the age of 55 on Facebook than there are under the age of 24. Um, so this idea that we're not reaching those people by, um, yeah. by doing things on social instead of the way we've always done things um, is, is, I think, a bit of a myth that we need to, to move past. And I also think, though, that we have to understand that some people really like paper bulletins. Um, you know, I'm a big digital guy. I still like to read a book. I still like to have something in my hands. I still like to do those things. But from an information sharing standpoint, it doesn't make sense not to use the tools that we have at our disposal. And I think, mm-hmm. so here's my, my read on, on what I've seen uh, in, in churches uh, in, in the West, particularly in the West, but but not exclusively so. Um, you know, there's a lot of, of, of priests that aren't active on social media. They do that in part to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, some are, some, and, and there's some great ones. Lots of them are coming to my mind as I say it. Yeah. But there's some that really just have opted out of social media because they don't want, you know, parishioners sort of, uh, reaching them at all hours of the day on mm-hmm. all manner of things. And so I think there's sometimes there's a, uh, a disconnect between sort of the cultural norms and what are the norms for, for some of the priests that are out there. And as you were talking about Facebook and its demographics, I think for a lot of, uh, for a lot of uh, people who are in, in, in leadership inside of parishes, it might be startling to hear that, you know, the, the, so what were the numbers that you're... So uh, there are actually more or at least as many over the age of 55 Facebook users than there are under the age of 24. Now, now part of that is because under the age of, you know, 14 or 16, you're not on Facebook. Um, but young people in droves aren't necessarily on that particular platform. They're on other no. platforms. Um, and it's funny when you say sort of the, the priest out of it. So one of the things that that's often not talked about is that part of the Second Vatican Council, Vatican Council actually talks about all of these things. It's not something that we've added into it. There's a decree on the means of social communication. It talks about using the tools and it actually talks about how priests need to be using the most uh, recent tools available. It actually goes to say basically that as, as we with God's help have created these amazing wonders, why are we failing to use them for the things that we could? So it talks actually very specifically about uh, priests, bishops, how much they should be involved, how much they should be monitoring, how much they should see these things. So I certainly understand as a priest, you're overwhelmed with with how much you have to do. But that's part of, you know, one of the things we talk about are things like senior leadership teams. So having a group of people working on something and, and sharing information and communicating to the right people makes a lot more sense. It's it's not necessarily a funnel in the same way that it that it is thought of by many people. Yeah, but Mike, what would you say to the typical uh, priest? Because, you know, obviously... We, we spend time with Father James Mellon. He's mm-hmm. got a pretty high platform. It's like, okay, sure. So social media could help someone like that. But your average priest, 
you know, a uh, small parish, mid-sized parish, whatever the case might be, what's the benefit for them to get on social media? I think the biggest benefit for them, we talk a lot about what happens on Sunday and then also there's six other days. Um, so I think that the biggest advantage for at least starting to put yourself out there is being able to communicate your vision throughout the week so that on Monday people are thinking about church and on Tuesday people are thinking about church and about God and about Jesus and, and being able to get some of those things. I mean, I, uh, I follow a lot of accounts that have daily readings. That's not something that's super difficult to, to put together. And actually, if you have a team that can work on that for you and you can say, look, these are the topics I want to talk about this week. Can we just get this information out there so we can share it? I don't think it's, I think a lot of people think it's more work than it really is. Mm. And it can become a lot of work when you get engagement, but that's a, that's a win. That's like a happy it, problem. Yeah. <laughs> if all of a sudden yeah. your problem is there's too much engagement with me on social media, congratulations, you've done a great job. That's a, that's a success. So I'd love to talk about the, the various platforms on social. And, and I want to also be clear that we're not just going to be talking about social because no. I think there's other things we need to talk about. Mm-hmm. But but given that we, we we sort of started with 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 social as our, our entry point, I wanted to talk about some of the main platforms that, that we see out there. So Mike, what are some of the, what are the platforms that you think that parishes could be looking to examine? Not that they ought to, but sure. the ones that are, are options for them because there's lots of different social media platforms now. Mm-hmm. I think one of the actually the mistakes that a lot of uh, businesses, organizations, parishes make is that they just sort of think, well, I'll just hop on all of them and I'll put out the same thing across all of them and then we'll be fine. Uh, The fact of the matter is, is that there are really, logistically, there's about three major platforms that that most organizations are going to be on, which are Facebook and Instagram, also known as Facebook with pictures because they (laughs) are the same company, uh, and Twitter. There Facebook, are other options. Instagram, Twitter. Facebook, Facebook Instagram, Instagram, Twitter. Twitter. There mm-hmm. are other things. You could be on LinkedIn. You could be on, you can't be on Google Plus. They're shutting it down. But there's a few things that you could be on. So those are the big three. Those are what sort of people are on. And, and what you need to think about is how do you want to share your message? And what kind of message do you want to share? And whether or not the people you want to reach are actually on that platform. So, you know, Instagram does have a much younger demographic. I think that's an advantage from an evangelization tool to be able to say like we're going out and reaching people where they are yeah. so that their phone is less Fortnite and Minecraft and more faith and ministry that they can actually have these things there. Uh, Twitter, you often will get into a lot of conversations. I think that Twitter is actually where you would most likely have a priest that would sort of feel overwhelmed mm. because you put something out there and suddenly it's a thread. It's a conversation. It's, it's more work. Uh, Instagram has a tendency to be more of a, we want to inform, we want to show, we want to do all these things we want to teach. It's a great teaching platform. Um, and Facebook sort of straddles that line in a lot of ways. There's organizations who use it primarily as a one-way means of communication. We're just going to put this information out there. But it's got these amazing things in it that we could use if we don't have the resources otherwise. So if you're on Facebook, you can create events and handle ticketing and handle whether or not people are showing up and know how many people are showing up and get people to share that event. I mean, for, for so many parishes... There's the church bulletin is the only way that they really actually communicate what they're up to. Uh, the, the parish that I, uh, I'm at, St. Agnes in Halifax, uh, we have over time started to really dig into like our events should all be on our website. Our, you know, what we're working on, the, the wins we've had as an organization uh, trying to reach out and trying to grow, those should all show up in those places. And we don't always get the chance to show those in a bulletin. 
So I think really understanding what you want to do and not just, so, I want to throw it all out there. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I, what I think of is the, 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 the objection I would hear most often would be something like, you know, Oh Mike, you know, all of our parishioners aren't on Facebook. Are any of them on Facebook? And are any of them on Twitter? And are all the people are any people that you would like to be parishioners <laughs> yeah. in those spa- in those spaces? One of the things I use Twitter for um, is actually interacting with other people from our city, and I get to use that platform to invite people to Alpha. But I'm able to do that because I have a parish that's active in those spaces that I can share those events and that information easily as a parishioner in a tangible way for people where I can say, well, here's the link to our alpha page or here's some graphics about that for them. Yeah. And I I think too, is that you need to think about what it is you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Are you caring for the 99 or are you looking for the one? Mm -hmm. Um, If if you're just caring for the 99 and none of your people are on Facebook, well, don't be on Facebook. But if you plan on bringing people who are not in your parish right now, who don't know that mass is always at such and such a time and don't know that this event is happening in your church, well, sure, you, you, can, you can stay away from that. But if you're going to go outside your church, if you are going to move from maintenance to mission, mm. whether or not you use social media, because there's tons of other things you can use. I mean, mm-hmm. the Benedictus is, that's a perfectly valid thing to use. Like people who are not in your parish can see that and go, I'm interested in what that is. Um, they, in the... The decree on the means of social communication, they talk about using forms such as mm-hmm. print, radio, news. Like there's there's no reason not to be on all of these things, uh, but being very careful about how you use each one. Right. And I think that speaks to something that, you know, we all really talk about a lot at St. Benedict, which is being intentional. I think entering those spaces and doing it poorly does more damage to the mission than it does good. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, having, you know, there's so many resources if you are a small parish. I My nonprofit has four staff, not all of whom are four to full-time, and we're engaged in these spaces. So we have gone on and found all of the free medium that we can, media that we can use. So, you know, we've got Canva to help us develop graphics with free imagery, and it's all high quality and good fonts. And, you know, and, and we use Hootsuite to help automate the tweets because, as it turns out, I am not always in the office. Um you know, there's a few days a week. Um, so, but the idea is that if we're intentional and put out high quality media, that actually benefits the transmission of our message. You know, it's like watching Christian movies that have low production value. They do harm, I think, in some ways to the Christian mm. message. Um, so, yeah, if we're going to enter those spaces, we should be intentional and we should do it as high quality as possible knowing that there are available free resources for us to do that. I think, Mike, what I was hearing you say and, and, and the way you tied it together stuff is like, first we have to decide, like, what, what are our values as a community? Like, mm-hmm. do we want to go and get people? Like, is, is that something we want to do? Right. Uh, you know, we could drive around and throw flyers at people's doors. That's a way. Uh, it might not be the best way to get people into our parish. Uh, so, yeah. so you know, I think we've got a, a, a tremendous opportunity sitting right in front of us. Uh, but often we're either just, you know, a little too distracted or a little too... Um, disengaged to bother to use it. And that, that, that's such a crazy thing to me. It's so crazy. Well, it, it's, it's really interesting to me too, because I come from a background of working a lot with, uh, with startups, with agencies, uh, marketing and promoting different products. And we talk about, you know, making evangelists for all these products, you know, for iPhones and for, you know, I've worked for companies where we've been talking about tires. We've been talking about swimming pools. We're talking about all these different things. 
And we do such a good job of saying, okay, let's be intentional with what we want people to do, how they want them to come to us. I'm not selling swimming pools to someone who's in a swimming pool. I'm selling swimming pools to someone who's <laughs> exactly. not in a swimming pool. That's, well, that's just so, I, so yes. why would I, why would I, that, that's what we're trying to do with it. So to be able to basically say, I'm going to market this. And, and that's the other thing that, that has always, it really clicked with me over the last few years, actually, of working with my own parish is this idea of we put so much effort into all of these products that we want to sell, that we want people to buy, that we want all these things. We've got the best thing mm-hmm. and we don't do a very good job at, of, of marketing it. And as such, we do a disservice. We're, we're actually, instead of saying, well, no, no, we're, this is what we're supposed to do. No, it's not. The, <clears throat> the, the church has said very clearly, that is not what we want you to do. We don't want you to sit in a pew and talk to just this person you, you are obligated through whatever means you have access to, to go share. Yeah, I think Why some people are really wary of the marketing language, but I sit mm-hmm. back and say, it's not that we're trying to sell them something. No. It's that we're trying to give them something. We're trying to help them encounter Christ. This is so much bigger and better than Starbucks. Um, and they throw billions and trillions of dollars into marketing. As a parish, how are we investing in the message and how are we investing in accessibility to, to that message? Well, it's interesting because, you know, so often people say, Oh, the church should use marketing and blah, blah, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then I'll say, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you have a sign on your building? Well, yeah. Why do you have a sign on your building? Well, to help people figure out where, the, you know, right. <laughs> yes. That's what marketing is for. It's, you know, it's not some, you know, evil thing that we're trying to manipulate you. It's just, we're trying to help you understand who we are and make it easier for you to connect with us as an organization. Yeah, yeah. My, my hope is that people start to, cause, cause I do use a lot of marketing language mm-hmm. a lot, but for me, it's a, it's a common language. It's a language that myself and the people I work with would all mm-hmm. understand. So it's not that I'm thinking like, oh, we have to figure out a way to make this pitch of a bad product and do this. It's like, well, no, these are the words I use to describe a process that you can apply to all these different things. Mm-hmm. I am still, I am still trying to share this amazing thing. And when we talk mm-hmm. about, you know, they actually use the term influence in this in this document. Started in 1963. The Vatican document specifically says influence. And then we learn all about influencers on social media. And it just it all makes sense. I mean, I'm not saying that Vatican Council predicted the internet um, <laughs> or social media, but they predicted a direction that things were heading based on what they had seen. And they basically said, okay, great. That, that one of the goals of that council was to say, to connect with the contemporary world. The world is changing. Are you going to connect with it or, or are you not? You know, Rob, one of the things I've heard you say, and you've said this around the office plenty of times before, and every time you do it, it's like, yeah. Uh, so you, you say the, the, the front door of the parish is no longer the front door of the parish, that people yeah. are encountering <clears throat> us not through walking up to those big wooden doors on, on a Sunday. They're finding us in other ways. Yeah. Why don't you speak into it a little bit? Yeah, I mean, nowadays, very few people are going to come to your church for the first time just through the front doors and experience it. So everybody, even seniors... You know, like we regularly will talk to people in their 70s and 80s. Yeah, we saw you online first. So your new front door is now your website, right? And so the whole idea is we want to make a good first impression. That has to happen on people long before they ever set foot in your property, right? And so largely, I would bet that anybody that's coming to your parish for the first time now, it's probably less than 10%, probably, you know, 3% that are just kind of walking up because they recognized your building or they saw the sign or whatever. They Everybody's checking you out, checking you out online first now. And so, 
you know, they're listening to the sermons or the, the homilies, what the music is like, what the time, you know, all that sort of stuff, what's going on uh, in, you know, in the parish and, and things like that. Who are the staff? Um, you know, what's the, who's the priest? They're probably checking the priest out on social media as well mm-hmm. now. Uh, <laughs> you know, in all honesty, they're yeah. probably, you know, what's, what's this guy uh, up to? What's he believe in? What's, you know, things like that. Because people want to have now a, a greater sense of awareness of what they're walking into. Yeah. And I think in, in the Catholic world, I think we're often, uh, we make an assumption. We, we assume that, well, we're the, we're the Catholic church in the neighborhood, so people are just going to come, right? Like the, including the Catholics, they'll, yeah. they'll come. But that's not the way it actually works. I mean, like, you know, it, it, it's, it's, that's the way perhaps it used to work. But now people are hopping in their various vehicles or they're jumping on the tube they're whatever it is. And they're going to a church, a, a destination, right? They're like, you know, I, I prefer the way that it's happening at this church. I prefer or I'm willing to check out this place and, and see whether I, I, I fit there or I can belong there. And, and the assumption that people are just going to show up because you happen to be there. I think that's vastly insufficient in terms of, uh, of, of of doing it right. And even worse, I think it's an absolute failure and abdication of our desire to be missional. And I think that, you know, we've got great opportunities, but we have to embrace them and move. Uh, you know, one of the parishioners I love on Facebook is Sue LaRue. And something she does every Sunday, she shares the link to the live stream and uh, the Facebook live and says, listen, if you have time, come join us in person. If you can't, you should watch this homily. This homily by Father Alex is going to change your life. And she gives notes about it after she gets engaged. I mean, most of her social media, like mine, is about coffee. And then the rest is all about Jesus. <laughs> well, this is like what you were saying yeah. about evangelists. Uh, and you, you were talking about it in the secular term, like, you know, build, building oh, evangelists yeah. for, for a phone, building yeah. evangelists for a, a, a swimming pool. And and what, what you know, you're, you're driving at home, staff in terms of we can actually build evangelists. Mm-hmm. Well, and we give them, and, and yeah. by actually creating content, I mean, you think of what we do here at Divine Renovation. By creating this content, this this particular episode right here, mm-hmm. we're providing disciples with the tools to actually move it forward. We're giving them something that they can share. Because before, all you could say was, you should come to church Sunday. I promise you, it'll be awesome. And you're like, okay, what's it look like? Why well, you have to... You have to come and see it. Looks okay. kind of like a church. What's it? Yeah, it yeah. looks like a church. What does it sound like? What, yeah. Can you give me, like, can I hear the priest talk? No, well, yeah, on Sunday you can come and you can yeah. hear him talk. Okay, but we are, we live in a world where people want more information in general before they make these decisions. Now, that is a, a marketing thing as well. People make do a lot more research before they buy something now. And we think that they're going to totally shift that with the way they approach the church, and they're not. Well, I'd say it's the opposite of that because I think nowadays uh, people are so much more fearful of quote unquote organized religion, right? So I think mm. the more you can help people understand, mm-hmm. you know, like the whole idea, no, no, you can watch it online. You, you know, you can see the fact that there's no place where we, you know, take you out back and sacrifice a chicken or, you know, whatever their, their fears might be, you know. It was what's live gonna, the whole time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, um, you know or, or what some of the, the, the weird fears are because when you talk to people, uh, all the time, they'll say uh, they talk about how anxious it is getting in their car and walking up to the front mm-hmm. door, right? Mm-hmm. And if the more you can do to alleviate those fears, yeah. the more that it's going to help uh, ease the them coming. So the more information that they can find on social media, the easier it's going to be for people. And if we provide, you know, we we have these people who are evangelists and disciples for us. And when we start to see in the people that we're around all the time that they're connected with these things, you start to go, well, if Stephanie's into that, well, 
that doesn't seem that strange. It's not, it's mm, not some yeah. grandiose idea of like, I don't know who you are and I have to go there. It's mm-hmm. like, no, this is who we all are. It, 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 I mean, again, to go back to the document, it talks about it is the obligation of all children of God to actually do this. To, to We are obliged to share this passion across. Well, part of what we need to begin doing is, and, and I'd say it's true in social media, all aspects, we need to learn as a church what it looks like to prepare and create something for people who aren't there yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're like, okay, well, we'll do a social media thing when we have the people that want social media. You know, it's like, we'll do a kid's ministry when all of a sudden we have an influx of kids or, we'll, you know, it's like, you know, and it's like one of those things. No, no. And, and not that I always subscribe to a build it, you will come. A lot of times oh, that's actually, that. a, and it, well, a lot of times they think of that in yeah. terms of a physical church, mm-hmm. right. but in mm-hmm. terms of connecting with people, yeah, you yeah. do need to build it and they will come or they're, at least they're not going to come until you build it. Right? Well, and because yeah. the other side of it is if you wait for them to get there, you're scrambling. And then by the time you've gotten it together, they've disengaged. Yeah. They're completely done. Um, something I wanted to pick up from what you were saying too, um, is when we enable parishioners, like I don't expect our 60 and 70 year old parishioners to be able to go on Canva. I mean, they could, it's actually that easy, but I don't expect them to be able to go on Canva, understand our message well enough to communicate it succinctly and then get it together, download it, put it on Facebook. That's why it's our job to do those sorts of things so that they have those, you know, memeable things that they Mm. can share and they can transmit for us. You know, uh, even uh, the book is a great example, Unlocking Your Parish by um, Father James and Ron. I've been talking to someone I know about how we do Alpha for years um, and why it's different and why it's special and the leadership pipeline and all those things. Um, But now I have a tool where I can say this is what I've been talking about in a clean way. So we're just as communicators, as communications managers, as, as media teams, we're giving people the tools so that they can be our agents of evangelization. When I think of uh, St. Benedict Parish, uh, and I, I think it's a bit of an anomaly in, in some regards. And, and what I mean by that is it's actually a really Twitter heavy parish. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's not the norm. Uh, at least my experience of social media, and I used to work in, in the field, uh, was, you know, Facebook is, is more or less the norm. And Twitter, Twitter's out there too. Uh, but St. Benedict, and it's, I think it's Father James's fault because Father mm. James is on Twitter. He's right. not on Facebook. And so if people wanted to follow their pastor, the only place they could, you know, follow him on social would have been on Twitter. And as a result, you, you end up with a, a very large proportion of, of parishioners are actually active on, on Twitter at St. Benedict Parish. And, and that, that's, it's, we it's ran a whole session and helped them create Twitter handles, Kate Robinson and I, it was great. <laughs> we taught them how to use Twitter. Um, we created, we used uh, Dinah Simmons as our example and yeah. we created Twitter handles and gave them a little document of how to, because that was where it was happening but in our parish. Like that, it doesn't seem like it to, to some, like someone outside goes, well, what are they working on? <laughs> that's an evangelization tool. Mm-hmm. You're saying you want to be connected and you want to be connected with these people in this amazing way. Okay, well, we'll support that. We'll, we'll help you go through that. It's, we, we make these separations so much between this and that and like our, our normal thing and then our church thing. So, you know, we, we have our phone and we use that for everything else. And then we'll get the bulletin or the book or the Bible and we'll, we'll read that. But being able to connect those two things um, I think is super important mm. without forcing it upon people who are never going to do that. I, we, you talked a little bit about learning styles um, so eloquently earlier. Um, <laughs> and so, so one thing about learning styles is I, I love to read, but I'm an auditory learner. When I hear things, uh, I, I get them. Like I pick them up. That's one of the reasons I love podca- podcasts. 
Uh, I have a Bible app on my phone. I also have an app called Dwell, which is an audio version of the Bible. And I can get a lot from that. And I can also, uh, some some cases, you know, when I'm driving, I'll often listen to it now because I'm driving. Hmm. This is actually Mm -hmm. a place where I sort of have this, to a certain extent, a meditative experience. And would I rather be, you know, stuck in traffic, just angry that I'm stuck in traffic or whether I would be listening to the gospel of John? Like, why, why wouldn't I do these things? And so for me, part of the thing has been you, you reach people where they are and you facilitate them coming to where you want them to be. And we want them to be in our church, but we're not in so many cases going to where they are. Mm. And that's, I, I just, for me, when I came to that conclusion, I just thought, well, how are we not doing this? Yeah. It reminds me of uh, Colossians 4, St. Paul says, uh, uh, make the most of every opportunity that you have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's one of those things and, and to sit down and say, okay, just think through the opportunity that you have here uh, in front of you, you know, and it's interesting because I've heard some people talk about the whole idea of, you know, for years, the church has focused on overseas missions. And he said, what would it look like to see the uh, social media world as a mission opportunity? You know, mm-hmm. and and become a social media missionary, right? And the idea that you you need to understand that you have to recognize, you have to understand the language of the people you're trying to connect with. You're trying to connect with them in a positive way, in a way that's going to influence them, mm-hmm. and not in a way that's going to create un- unnecessary barriers. Right. Well, mm-hmm. you know, we just had um, we just had World Youth Day. Uh, Seven hundred thousand people went. Most of those are young. Most of those are not going to come back and be like, do you guys have the missile, uh, the red, you know, the red bound one? Can I have that? Because I'm going to hear. Preferably with Latin on right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, want, just I don't want it to be as much. <laughs> so those people are going to come back and they're going to want to share their story. I, I went to World Youth Day. That's actually how I became Catholic. I went as a non-Catholic. And when I came back, I, I was like, wh- how, where's the program where I do this? Because this I'm all in. I want more of um, this thing that I've just had. More yeah. of this thing. And I absolutely, I, I wasn't heavy on social media at that time, but for sure I would have shared it there. Like I've had this incredible experience. Things happened to me in World, at World Youth Day in Toronto that at Father James, it was incredible. And to have that experience to share it, why would we waste that opportunity? Why would we not use that opportunity? And so I think one of the things too, and this really ties into what we do, mm-hmm. is that we do need to do a better job of, and, and this ties in what you talked about earlier, about clarity of vision and clarity of communication. Because it's not just about, well, let's just put out scripture all the time, or let's just, let's just talk about what we do all the time. You have to have an idea of what, are we, what is our mission? What are we trying yeah. to get people to do? And are we actually serving that in what we're creating and what we're doing? Mm-hmm. And language plays a huge part mm-hmm. of that. One of the things you guys are saying that's really resonating with me right now is, you know, most of the people who are listening to us know that, you know, our goal is to help parishes to be missional. And our, our favorite tool is Alpha. Some parishes we work with is Christ Life. Um, and, but but the, the goal for either of those programs, from our perspective, is to try and get, you know, unchurched people, people who aren't in a relationship with God, get them connected, right, so that they can have that experience. And what we want to do is we want our, our parishioners 
to be the ones that invite. We want our parishioners to be the ones to share the opportunity. And, and, and what, what I think what makes Alpha so successful in terms of evangelizing is just how it makes it easy for the average person to do evangelization. You don't need to spend five hours with me, Mike, and train me how to give my personal testimony in a way that is succinct and communicates the importance of Jesus in my life and how Jesus can change your life too. And, and, and you don't have to make me good at that. But I, all I have to do is say, I have, I have this thing that's really cool. I think you might want to check it out. Here it is. And, and, and that's, that's, that's how alpha works, right? It's like, I, I went to this alpha thing. I thought it was really cool. I think you might think it's cool too. Here you go. It's the same thing with social media, right? So like for, for people who are connected to our, our parish or to our mission, it's no different. It's like, hey, here's a, I'm just going to hit the share button. Like that, that's it's a one finger evangelization. It's like just if you could do that, you've done your evangelization effort for the day. It's it's an effort of you know I'm going to share this good news with the rest of the world, and it's only one click. And I can't believe that we we don't give ourselves every opportunity to click that mouse because it's a one click evangelization. It's so mm-hmm. it's so easy. I, I worked um, for a while as a manager at a call center, and we actually had this little just button on the side of of the um of the screen they had to click on every call it was just this kind of silly thing and it was amazing how many people didn't click it when they were just told once like oh yeah i remember to do that thing and it was done in a very like passive like oh yeah don't forget to do that thing and then we told them why they were doing it and what it would mean because for us it was this huge thing of it helped us actually serve the customer better as we went through and when you explain the why and you got them kind of excited about it it's a very, it's an easy process. Like, and if we're if we're asking the church to be invitational and reach, we're asking the individuals to be invitational and to reach out, but we're not doing it as a church. We're not modeling the behavior that we're expecting our parishioners to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when when we leave mass on Sunday and it says go and share the good news, are we? Are are most of us? Most of us talk on the way home about whether or not that was too long a homily or whether or not the kids were running up and down or, or whether or not I forgot my wallet before we could pay for, you know, so I couldn't, you know, pay this week. But are we coming out and sharing the good news? And if we give people the tools and the methods to do that, we can expect mm-hmm. them to do it. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a lot about social media. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we did an episode on on apps, right? So we had the yeah. guys from Tithely on, and we talked about apps and how you can use an app in a parish. And so, so those are the sort of the modern opportunities. The, the, the most I hate to, I really hesitate to call Facebook cutting edge because it's it's <laughs> it's a bit long in the tooth at this point yeah. to be cutting edge. It's kind of like the societal norms. Right. But I wanted to talk about some of the more traditional approaches and uh, around communication mm-hmm. that parishes should, uh, currently use and how we can get better at them. So, Mike, what are some of the things that that churches are doing? that that they're either ways to improve or that they should continue to do? Like what are some of those other tools that are out there? I think that one of the things that, uh, and this is just a communications thing in general, is that it's one thing to have an event in the bulletin. It's another thing to have someone speak on that event. Uh, One of the ways that we've had great success, and, and it's funny, we only really do it when we're like, oh, we really need people to come to this or we really need people to give to this. But when you have the interested parties actually talk to your parish about the thing that they're doing, uh, and you give them the space to share that, it becomes like, oh, this is important. And I know that person. Uh, and so I respect that person and, and I'm willing to do that. I think that some churches do a really good job uh, with parish bulletins of making them. Uh, a, I, I used to really like parish bulletins for part of the story part of things. Yeah, Like I don't just want a list of events uh, because yeah. I, I can't necessarily go to all of them, but 
the parishes who who use it as sort of a chance to tell their story of what's happening and share the wins that they've had or the things that they need, I think that that part of it about humanizing that whole experience and making it more than it has to become something. If you're gonna if you're gonna communicate really, the things people connect with are stories. They connect yeah. with narratives. They connect with people. They connect with humans. They don't connect with things that they feel are just sort of like, okay, and now we list the next 10 things that we do, and then we list the things that we do here. And and so I think that the churches who've started to really tell their story in some way, whether they're using a bulletin or whether they're using a magazine or whether they're using a podcast or a video series or whatever they're using, it's the churches, I think, that really make this a, a narrative and a story that really works. Mm-hmm. I also, to, to Rob's point, there's a, to go back to a little bit of marketing language, uh, there was a talk I was listening to one time where someone was talking about the importance of their website. And they said, when it comes down to it, imagine that your website is the only employee in your store because that's what it is. You're not there, but people are coming to your store and they're taking a look around. So do you have someone to greet them? Do you have stuff arranged properly on the shelves? Do you have things, do you have an easy way for them to buy and, and by buy, I mean, do you have an easy way for them to actually say, oh, I do want to do that thing? Uh, so I think that the churches I've seen that have been really successful are the churches who make that an experience people want to have. I mean, one of the first things that I did with, with our parish was we had nine menu items and each menu item had nine subsections, uh, most of which was like one time we did a thing. And it's over here. And we're going to hold it on the website And here's one document forever. over here and it's over here. Yeah. And so people would say things like, hey, the mass times aren't actually anywhere I can find. They were in the fourth one over, seventh thing down. And so streamlining that communication for most people, because most people, our lives are fast, our lives are busy. They want to get the information that they need. And we do them a disservice by not giving it to them. So <clears throat> really clean websites. They don't have to have page after page after page of content. We have that. We've got page after page of content when they get to church. We've got this book and everything. It's great. Uh, But we want them to be able to have a good experience when they get there. Most of us, if we go to a website for something, if you go and it looks complicated or you can't pretty quickly find the information that you want, you walk away. That's sort of the the societal norm that we have. So I think the churches who do it really well and the parents who do it really well are the people who, who, when you get there, say, how can we help you? Mm. What is it you need? What can we do? And use it in, in really common language. We, we need to speak to people like they're people. Uh, we, we don't necessarily have to use this sort of grandiose language. I love, you know, sort of the tradition of the Catholic Church. It's one of the reasons I chose to become Catholic. I, I love that part. And I love it when I'm at Mass. But when I'm on a website and I'm looking for something and I don't understand some of those words and I'm trying to find the right thing, that can be problematic. So clear and concise, clear and concise communication and narrative storytelling just becomes what people associate themselves with. It, it, go ahead, Rob. Kind of, kind of to your point, it was interesting. A number of years ago, I was on staff at a church and we were expecting a child. And so they wanted to put it in the bulletin uh, or they actually, we were talking about how to announce it to the church. And it was funny because we were talking through our bulletins about that time and how little people actually read them. And it was interesting. I said, let's do an experiment. Let's not announce that we're expecting a child. Let's put it in the bulletin and see how many people notice it. <laughs> and so we put it in, and on a Sunday, on an average, we'd get 300 people uh, to the church. And on um, this, the Sunday we announced it, of 300 people, how many people? 
would you guess came up and knew that we we're expecting a child? <laughs> I'm going to say a little higher. I'm going to say 18. Yeah. It was three people that mentioned it. And one of those three actually mentioned it because one of the people that read it. That's so crazy, you're actually eh? Two people actually read, read it, it in the out bulletin. Of, out of about 300 yeah. people, right? And we're just like, and we're killing ourselves putting this bulletin and making sure we get mm. it on time and all the details and blah, blah, blah. And yet how little effect it was having on people. But part of, I mean, part of the thing is a sort of a counterpoint. And I generally agree. I do like the idea of, I do like the idea of measuring things mm. and figuring out, is this working or is it not? And where can we put our energy? Um, is... Maybe it's really important for that one person who does read the bulletin every week that they get those sort of things. So we also have to balance the idea of like, we, we, can't, we can't really leave someone in the lurch. If, if we are going to back out of something, we need to replace it with, with something for them. Yeah. Um, so, but it, it's true. Yeah, but I the mean, real, I mean, so, so my, my state, I agree, Mike, I fully agree with you, but I think we, we do it all the time. We're leaving people in the lurch all the yeah. time and we do it because we're not in the spaces they already are. Everybody's moved. We haven't as a globally, as a church, we haven't moved. We are really good at paper bulletins. I can't tell you how many paper bulletins I've held in my lifetime. It is more than I could possibly count. And mm-hmm. I can tell you, you know, of them, how many have I read? Very, very few. Yeah. And so like we, we are leaving tons of people in the lurch because we are lurching forward. And I think the opportunity is to do just a little bit of a hop and, and use some of the actual more, more modern tools. And I think something you said really landed, Mike, and I, I think it's, it's something that I really want us to, to, to name with clarity is it's about stories because what we, what we communicate, right? Our culture is formed. Our culture is formed by what we reward, what we celebrate and what we tolerate. And what are we rewarding and what are we celebrating in the way we communicate? And it's the stories, right? It's the stories are, are what we're trying to reward. It's these are lives changed, people impacted. Those are the types of things that we, that, that, that resonate. Those are the types of things that make people want to show up on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, you need to, know, to let people know when Sunday happens, but you know, that's not going to get me excited. Mm-hmm. Letting me know that mass starts at 9am. That's not going to like, you know, get me going but letting me know that that you know susan larue's life's been transformed and that, 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 like oh now wow what's happening there i want to check that out See, that's the difference though between the what and the why so at saint benedict we have two different communications models that would traditionally have been the bulletin we have a weekly service called the overview where you get the what so here are some upcoming events and then the benedictus is our why it's those stories it's Uh, why we do this because it transforms lives. Why do we do alpha? Because this life and this life and this life. And and I I think that speaks to the fact that, you know, the Benedictus is not just an insider document. The overview is for insiders. Um, The Benedictus is for insiders and outsiders. I can give that um, magazine to anyone I know to tell them what our church is about any given month. And it will say everything I need to say about why I'm at St. Benedict and not somewhere else. So, look, it's been an awesome conversation uh, about uh, communications, about marketing. I didn't expect us to talk so much marketing, but I think it's, you know, it's an element because marketing uh, in the, in the uh, Christian sense is really evangelizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so how do we evangelize better uh, by using communications tools? And so for, for those who have who've been able to, to join us for this podcast, those listeners, viewers out there, uh, I think this is an opportunity for you to use your one-click evangelization. Hit the share button. Let people know uh, that Divine renovations out there. Let people know that your parish is out there and, and, and just embrace the opportunity to be missional in, in the modern age, be a, a social media missionary in the way that Rob has challenged us all to be today. And we look forward to coming back next week, having another conversation. And I thank you so much, Mike, for being with us, not just today, but all the time. You're a lot of fun to hang out with. And uh, anyways, God bless. And we look forward to next week.